0: I'm Katie Turner. I'm here reporting at the ISS TDR conference in Brisbane, in Australia. And I decided to try and get hold of some of our Australian colleagues who we don't often get a chance to speak to -to face-to-face. And we're lucky to have Jane Hocking here today, who's been presenting some preliminary results from a big uh, chlamydia screening trial in Australia. So good morning, Jane.
1: Good morning, Katie.
0: So how are you finding the conference?
1: Um, It's been a, a really great few days. It's been Chock full of so much different stuff. It's been slightly nerve-wracking for myself, but um, because
0: of the presentation. But no, it's been a great conference. Fantastic. And can you tell us a bit more about your study?
1: So yeah, so yesterday I presented the results of the except trial, or the the Australian Chlamydia Control Effectiveness Pilot Trial. And that was a large chlamydia screening cluster randomised control trial that we've been conducting over about the last five years. And the aims of that was to uh, determine or to assess the feasibility, acceptability, effectiveness and cost effectiveness of chlamydia screening in the general practice setting. So the way that we run it, was that we recruited about 150 GP clinics in 54 rural towns across four Australian states and we got every single clinic in each town and then we randomly allocated them to either get an intervention to support increased testing or control and then we measured changing chlamydia prevalence over time. So that's sort of in a nutshell the way the trial looks.
0: How many people did you manage to test?
1: So in the areas that we were in we had a reach of uh, nearly 70,000 people aged 16 okay. to 29 years and what we wanted to do was we wanted to get the the GPS or the clinics in the intervention group to offer a chlamydia screen to anybody aged 16 to 29 years when they came in for any reason and we provided the clinics with some interventions to help facilitate this so the clinics Received Each GP received an individualised report of his or her chlamydia testing performance over the last three months. Plus, we they received payments for each test they did. And if their practice nurse got involved in initiating chlamydia testing in the clinic, we also gave them an additional payment. And we helped them set up recall registers to bring the patients back uh, for repeat testing, you know, in 12 months' time. So yes, so as a result of that, we ended up doing about over 41,000 tests in the intervention clinic and about 27,500 in the control. And we detected about 2,200 chlamydia infections in the intervention and about 1,700 in the control. So we detected about an extra 500 cases of chlamydia. And overall, we increased the testing rates. We more than doubled the testing rates in the intervention clinic from about 8% up to nearly 20%. And the control um, stayed at about 11 to 12%. Um, So in terms of the results that we found, while we were able to significantly increase testing, we did not find that our testing intervention had any measurable effect on reducing the prevalence in the intervention groups compared to the control. But as I said, these are preliminary results, and we need to tease through those a bit
0: more closely. Sure. Tell me something that isn't going to go in the paper. What were the highs and the lows? As part of this study, we were, Australia's a very,
1: very big country. And we, the study centre was based down in Melbourne. And we had clinics up as far as near Brisbane. So that's about a 1,700 kilometre one way trip. So we racked up a lot of miles. We had a lot of nights of accommodation in sort of fairly poor motels some of the time. But um, no, it was really good. And it was a great opportunity to get to see aspects of Australia that we haven't seen before, but also to work with the, the GPs and the clinic staff who are at the grassroots level and GPs as I in Australia but I imagine elsewhere are just having more and more workload Mm. put on them these days. Their work their job is enormous. To get to know them a bit better and to work with them to see how we could help make it easier for them to do the testing was a really, really positive experience.
0: Excellent. And and in terms of the populations they serve, are there particular risk groups that we should look I
1: suppose Look, I'm a country girl myself, and so things are a little bit different in country towns. I think there are real health inequities mm-hmm. that for people living in the big capital cities, they don't experience as much. So for young people, anybody living in country town, it takes them longer to get a GP appointment than they would in the city. Right. They're less likely to be bulk-billed than people... And by bulk billing, in Australia, the way things work is that we have a national health insurance scheme. And so when you go to a GP, they can bulk bill you, whereby they charge your costs to the insurance scheme. And often clinics these days charge a little bit extra on top. And so in Melbourne or in capital cities, we've got more opportunity to find these bulk billing clinics, but that doesn't present itself in country. So if you're a young 15- or 16-year-old, person or kid in a rural area who is having sex, it might cost you a bit more and there's less opportunity for you to actually go and visit a doctor or to visit a healthcare provider to talk about it. So I don't think there's any real difference in terms of sexual practices mm-hmm. between rural areas and metro areas. I just think that there are some health inequities in terms of access to healthcare.
0: And do you have forgive my ignorance a big aboriginal population in your area or not no so
1: our study was in rural and regional areas in southern queensland new south wales victoria and a bit of south australia and while in some of the areas that we hid, we did have quite a, a larger proportion of aboriginal populations in terms of the more dense populations, if I if that's the right term to use for Aboriginal populations, you tend to find them in more remote areas, right. so particularly in Northern Queensland, Northern Territory and Western Australia, and, and we weren't in those areas. Okay. Yeah. So the primary aim of ACCEPT was to look at the effectiveness of chlamydia screening in general practice. Yeah. So that's why we tended to focus in the areas that we did rather than moving to the more remote areas. And also, I mean, in Australia, over 80% of our chlamydia diagnoses and testing actually happens in general practice. So that's why the government was
0: keen for us to to investigate it in that setting. So I have one last question I have to ask. So what is it about koalas and chlamydia? (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: a very good question. And I think, as uh, chlamydia researchers, we need to seize on this cute cuddly... animals ...and help us push our cause a bit more. It's actually a really sad story. There's a particular variant of chlamydia that does target our koala populations. And over the last few years, as we've taken away their environment and we've had shocking fires and shocking floods, it's really had an impact on their health and it makes them much more susceptible to chlamydia. But there is a group of researchers in uh, Queensland, actually, who have developed a chlamydia vaccine for koalas. And they're okay. out there in the wilds vaccinating the koalas and wow. trialling it.
0: So. And is it sexually transmitted in koalas? Yeah, as well? I so think it, we... it's... I'm not... Completely, hundred
1: percent. but I think it is sexually transmitted. Yeah, really, but also a bit. I think it's secreted in feces. And okay, don't quote me on that one.
0: But they are very cute. They are very, very cute. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jane, for telling us a little bit more about your experiences working in Australia. No and it's been fantastic to visit your beautiful country. Thank you. It's been <laughs> lovely to have you.